Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're having our usual stroll through the Welsh Hills today. It's a lovely day, not too hot, which is quite nice. Wish you were here because it is really delightful. We're looking out over one of the, the upland fields, surrounded, so got a, like, we're in a, like, a bowl of very picturesque hills at the moment and the green of the grass is very emerald it's blinding it is yeah <laughs> it is it's pretty gorgeous so you're with us in spirit <laughs> so today that's something that occurred to me this morning when thinking about the, the many problems that we're facing at the moment i thought i would ask pete the question how does this situation with the uh the cost of living crisis, the energy crisis with the astronomical bills and the, the, the strikes for better pay to be able to cope with the astronomical bills. Mm. How does this situation we're, 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 that we're finding ourselves in now compare to the, uh, the poll tax disaster, which is the nearest thing I can think of that we could bring any parallels to Obviously, this is far worse, <laughs> mm. and it uh, doesn't really have a quick fix to it mm. because there's a lot of a lot more moving parts this time. But mm. um, back back in the uh, the days of the poll tax, to be honest, I really wasn't very politically aware at all. Uh, so uh, I've got a vague idea of what it was all about and what happened, but um, yeah. that's about it. I think when you were born, Mrs. Thatcher had been in, wasn't in power, was she? Is, um, I was born in 72. 79, the Tories got in, and they, they sort of replaced, I think it was Jim Callaghan's government, and the country was in a kind of a mess with the economy, <laughs> for a change. I mean, it's always it's always cataclysm, you know. I mean, is it like cap- capitalism is a crisis-style of economy? We know that it goes into sort of deep crisis every few years. I mean, Richard Wolff says every four to seven years, and it's done that since 1790 or something. I don't know what the exact thing is, but it is it is prone to crisis. And uh, Thatcher got in the back of dissatisfaction the way, with the way that the government, the Callaghan Labour government, was incapable of dealing with crisis. And somewhere in it all, they brought in the, the, the poll tax, Mrs Thatcher's government... And it was very, very unpopular. And it led to riots in London. I mean, were, were they proper full-on riots? Or were they just, uh, they, like, really very uh, they, they were in, intense demonstrations? They were intense demonstrations, but there was quite a bit of violence. Mm. I didn't go. I was, I was sort of, like, semi-apolitical then. I mean, I was inter- always been interested in politics, but I wasn't that active. I sort of went to work. I went to work when uh, in 78 I think I'd sort of been doing art <laughs> then I needed a job and I got a job when I was 30 that was in 78 and Thatcher got in the following year and we, everybody was who I worked with was depressed about that even though everybody you know everybody promptly then went and bought houses because it was you know the, the thing the property owning democracy thing did appeal to a wide range of people and it was a masterstroke on on, on Thatcher's part, you know. 
Um, but the poll tax, and I don't even remember the year or anything like that, but I do remember it. And I remember some communist lads who used to come round the house to try and to have discussions about, about communism and Marxism and stuff. And uh, they said they'd, they'd been down there in London and, and the anarchists, like Class War, this group called Class War, you know, said, you want to see them go, man? They really like the violence. Because the majority of people were just giving placards and making a lot of noise, but there was a bit of, there was quite a lot of violence as well. It was a riot. It did. Huge demo, which shaded over into a riot. In Trafalgar Square, you can get films. I bet if you went on YouTube, you could get a film of it. It was pretty, um, as we say around here, holics. <laughs> you know, it was mad. It was bloody mad. But there was also, and I think probably more decisive than the, than the riot, or at least a, a part of it, was the fact that a lot of people did these sort of can't pay, won't pay. And of course, that has been resurrected by the. Um, a, a huge reaction to the, uh, the, the the massive, massive, massive inflation of energy prices, to the extent that the swathes swathes of the uh, the population in the UK are going to be um, pretty well destitute because and unable to pay their electric and gas bills. And I, I, I mean, don't ask me percentages, but it's it's fucking astronomical how much this stuff has gone up. And it is at the end of the day about price gouging. It doesn't drop out of the sky like some kind of economists, particularly right-wing economists, say. It's price gouging. And that's what that's about. And, uh, and I think there, there isn't... Is there a movement, what's it called? It's sort of like... Par it's, uh, what, what's the movement called? Is it the can't pay, won't pay movement? Or, but people are signing up not to pay their bills, their, their energy bills in from October. Don't pay UK. Don't pay UK in October. And also the enough is enough movement. As yeah, well, well, you know that's that, that, that's a kind of a union-led thing. So there are resonances, but I, th I think the situation is quite a lot different in the detail. I mean, I should say what the poll tax is. The poll tax uh, was a replacement at Thatcher's. Um, neoliberal government uh, dreamed up and we've been, we had had poll taxes in the UK before and they've never been popular because basically instead of council tax which is done on the writable value of a house well admittedly it's a, it's a bit of a kind of a <laughs> you know a, a tax which is going to cause disgruntlement for some people in certain circles isn't it you know but really, it was a bit of a nod to a kind of wealthier, middle-class, upper-middle-class base. Because they tended to own bigger houses in, in, in kind of smarter districts. And therefore paid a lot more tax than, say, equivalent families living, in, living on a council estate or in a working-class area. So I mean, there was, there were, there was, and there always, and there still is, and there always will be, like uh, people dissatisfied with having to pay like council tax. It used to be called the rights, is what we called it. And anyway, she replaced it and she said it, the tax would now now be nothing to do with the house that you lived in. It's just every adult over. I don't know whether it was eighteen or twenty-one. I don't recall, but it's pretty well every adult had to pay to their local council in order to finance its services.
social services, education, emptying the bins, all the stuff that local councils do, which is a lot of stuff. It's all the nitty-gritty of life that they do. And it's financed by local taxation in combination with a block grant from the government. And uh, Thatcher thought that it was fairer, because remember, this uh, philosophy was, was pure neoliberalism, which is the ultimate individualism, and also the ultimate hatred of any kind of collective action. Uh, particularly trade unions. I mean, neoliberalism is a class project. It's a class war project. It's the ideology of, of, of the rich, which they attempt to spread and, and, and turn into the common sense of communities all around the world, and which they put a lot of money into spreading, which says, uh, in Mrs Thatcher's words, there is no such thing as society, only individuals. But that was a kind of philosophical excuse for crushing the unions. And of course, you know, in I, I, I think it was 85, 84, 85, whenever it was, the middle of, middle of the 80s, certainly, the miners' strike, which lasted a year, you know, and defeated the strongest trade union, you know, the, the, the kind of prize fighters of, of the labour movement, the, the coal miners of Britain, were smashed. And union power never, never reached the same pitch again, and union membership declined. And even when, when Thatcher was Thatcher and then John Major, they were in power a long time. I can't remember exactly how, how, how long, but a long time, similar to, to this lot, 13 years or something like that. I mean, Thatcher, Thatcher was thrown out in the, in 90, I think, so 70, 99. She had 11 years, and then John Major had a few years, a couple of years. And then Tony Blair got in, but he did nothing to repeal Thatcher's anti-union legislation. So this is all part and parcel of that class class project, a poll tax, because it says, in, ter in terms of the taxation for local, the, the, the local services administered by local authorities, elected by local people, town councils, city councils, county councils and so on, uh, the unit of analysis is the individual, therefore the unit of tax is the individual. So instead of taxing a house, not very popular, but people tolerated it. But particularly young people wouldn't tolerate poll tax. No, did he? And, and a lot of people just didn't, either didn't pay, uh, you know, or paid at the last minute. That's what, that's what I did with my partner at the time. So we, did, we, didn't, we, we didn't pay. You got a warning letter off the council saying you got to pay. And we wait a bit because we knew you'd get like two or three letters. And then you get a letter that's saying, pay, in th pay within three days, otherwise you're going to get a summons. Then we'd kind of pay, but by this time it had cost the council 20 quid in letters and staff and did it. And everybody was doing it. We actually became ungovernable. And a lot of people did actually go to court. And a few of them stuck it out and went to jail. You know, 28 days in jail. How much does that cost the state? It's a thousand pound a week, even then a summit, you know, to keep somebody in jail. So it become absolutely un unapplicable. There was a, like a great refusal, and then on top of that, riots. And they abandoned it. It worked. They abandoned it. 
So how did they abandon? How did they? How did they? I changed step the look. down. I mean, what what reason did they give? Did they say, "Oh yes, oh, you won't, you all hate this. Don't worry, folks, we'll stop." No. Or did I, they give some other kind of reason? I think I think they made some kind of mealy, mealy mouthed res- response to it. You know, they did. They were never going to admit they were wrong. You know, but it's but, but I, I think the the lesson there is you you can you can force their hand. You know, the co- combination of refusal and uh, and um, uh, and, that, uh, and, and actually become ungovernable. Yeah, that's what you do. You become ungovernable. It's civil disobedience. You know, you know it's not rioting. It's not demonstrate. Demonstrations don't do that much. A million people demonstrated against Iraq, and uh, Blair still sent the army in. You know. And it was a fucking unmitigated disaster based on fucking lawyers, you know, and a million people saw that, but it wasn't enough. Just marching. You have to become ungovernable. And I think that is the, ne- the next step the next step here. And I think it's different because this is a, a, a multi-violent crisis, you know. As we keep saying, I mean, <laughs> you know, every, every, every life-sustaining system is falling apart at the same time. So they're all reinforcing each other. I mean, the economy's going into a fucking deflationary spiral with, with inflation, with stagflation, you know. Because if people, people are kind of hanging on to their money and not spending it on, I don't know, holidays, visits to the pub, night out in a restaurant, you know, some new things for the garden, you know, maybe, maybe redo the kitchen, all of this stuff, it's stopping. So that in turn is put is, is is putting small businesses out of out of work. Small, medium, and some large businesses. And maybe even medium. right the way up to large businesses, but certainly small and medium, who, who in many cases have, have run up debts. Yeah. Because COVID knocked fucking fucked them up. So it's a perfect storm, and then some. Yeah, and also and then, not just COVID, but right mm. now, say you've got a pub. Has to pay the heating bill to keep the the pub warm all day yeah. and like right into the evening through yeah. the winter for oh, not that many customers oh, yeah. because so like, many people are still don't want to get COVID and you've got uh, well they're getting onto the disposable income yeah and they can't the afford f- it so yeah. so they're That's you know, what I mean. so, so there's yeah they they you know if people can't afford it the knock on mm. effect and as we were talking about this morning so you've got I mean I think I, I, I heard somewhere it was like 7 out of 10 pubs are, are saying they're not going to make it through the winter Yeah. so you've got that and then the knock on yeah. effect is the, bre- the breweries Yeah. and you know and if half the people yeah. are either sick or on strike yeah. anyway Yeah. you know yeah well, that means they got they got less money to, to spend, and and they have to be supported by the welfare system. So so it's collapse yeah. pretty well. I mean, let, letting these energy bills go completely out of control. I mean, I, I can't see anything else apart from just like Disaster. almost complete destruction of the country yeah. and everything coming to a standstill yeah. well, as more and more people go on strike because they have to yeah. um, you know and and many businesses that we need yeah. that sell our food to us and grow our food and bring our food to us and maintain our vehicles and our water supply and our, our uh, uh, electricity uh, supplies mm-hmm. all them people Again, either sick because COVID's still yep. here, guys, or they're on strike. Yep. Until they've got no money to spend. I mean, this is this is what happened in 1929, you know, and the the the, the economists thought that it had just 
kind of the, the, the invisible hand had put it right because workers would accept working for very low wages rather than starve and that would then in turn encourage investors because I thought oh we've got some cheap labour here we can make a killing and that that would reflate the economy and of course it didn't and it, it didn't because it kind of got it, it spiralled down and the spiral went out of control as it will the invisible hand doesn't put things right, and yet the, half of these idiotic Tories and the ERG are still pre- thinking that it does, and, and, and everything that they're, that they're using skullduggery to promote is based on the premise that the invisible hand is infallible, and it fucking isn't. You know, so it's, it, it's a terrible shitstorm, and I think it's, it's worse than, than the situation with Thatcher's poll tax. Even though they were difficult times, there was a lot of inflation... I mean, Mrs. Thatcher uh, thought that the inflation was caused by money printing, which is what Milton Friedman said, who, who was her, her guru, you know, he was the monetarist, and he, he was the guy who fucking did a hatchet job on Chile after the, uh, a military coup had removed the elected uh, socialist government and installed military dictator Augusto Pinochet, who was Mrs. Thatcher's friend, you know. And uh, I mean, it is a nasty kind of um, um, constellation of people and ideas, completely discredited. Two thousand and eight discredited discredited the whole idea, and then some. That is the lesson of two thousand eight. But they haven't learned it, and uh, you know that plus some geopolitical stuff. A, a much, much, much worse condition of the of the environment. You know, the global warming is now, is, is now kicking in. And the amount of chaos that that, that, that is unleashing, I mean, it, it, it was at least partly responsible for the war in Syria, you know, which has been going on for fucking, I don't know, a decade or something. Ghastly, ghastly war. And it started off with bread riots because the, the Syrian farmers had six consecutive years of drought, destroying the harvest. So the price of bread was through the roof and people said, fuck me, I can't, yeah, I can't feed my family. And they're on the street. Arab Spring, and uh, because Assad was supported by Russia, uh, it became a superpower proxy war because the, the Russians intervened to support Assad when his own people were trying to tear him down because they couldn't pay for their groceries. <laughs> you know, and that was global warming. And it, it's it's a little bit further down the line here. It's 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 a lot lot worse. You know, the rogue weather events are much much more frequent. I listened to farming today in the morning and the amount of farmers coming on complaining they're only going to get off the yield of wheat or field beans or anything and they've run out of water in the reservoirs that they built specially because they, they, they were starting to realise that the watering under these new conditions was going to be a bit more difficult. So they built, it became a thing amongst farmers to build reservoirs on the farm and half of those reservoirs are empty now, you know, and... Um, it's a perfect shitstorm. It's a perfect, absolutely perfect fucking shitstorm. And it was a shitstorm in the 70s, but not to this extent. There was a lot of inflation, as I said, in, in whenever, you know, throughout the Thatcher regime. And she tried very, very hard to, to get it down. And uh, the, uh, Friedman had advised stop printing money, which is kind of what Jim Callahan got himself into trouble by printing printing too much money, too much QE in the wrong sort of conditions, and it produced stagflation. So there was an inflation caused by printing money, together with the stagnant stagnation of the economy. And they thought to put this right, we've got to smash the power of organised labour, 
because they were very powerful. They pretty well brought the Ted Heath Conservative government down. And that, that Thatcher project, the, the class now liberal project of... Uh, of tearing down the power of organised life pretty well worked. You know, I mean, in those days, pretty well everybody was in a union. These days, and it's a very small percentage, but of course it's building back. It's building back. You know, people have learned that you can you can organise the precariat, which was something that trade unions took a bit of time to get their heads round. And in the States, you know, unions are organising and starting again in places, you know, where, where, where you have atrocious terms and conditions. And insecurity. You're in a job, but you're still insecure, like Amazon warehouse and stuff like that, and Starbucks. And they're organising, and it, it, it's spreading around the world. Now, some of these new unions are international as well, you know. So it's it, it, we're going we're going back, you know. But it's forty years of stuff. The poll tax, in a sense, kind of personified that. The, one of the successful pushbacks, because there weren't many. There was a lot of struggle, but there weren't many. Now, this refusal to pay bills, I suppose, is the one thing where there is a resonance. But, uh, but, but in all other respects, I think the detail is sort of quite a lot different. I mean, what Thatcher did was, by stopping, stopping printing money, but also creating mass unemployment, you know, <laughs> as a way of disciplining, uh, disciplining labour. And if you get mass unemployment, it fetches down the inflation, because all people have got to spend is their doll. And uh, I mean, and, and there were good, there were some good, high-paying jobs in the economy, you know. So going from a good, a well-paid job to, to the dole, even though the, 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 they'd inherited quite generous dole payments from the from from the Labour, the previous Labour government. I mean, they had a thing called. Um, I'm trying to, I can't remember what it was, but it was a kind of a supplement on your dole that if you earned quite a lot of money, they would give you. A, so that you, it wasn't too much of a blow when you got made deliberately unemployed by the government. You know, and they give them a supplement. Forget what it's called. I know my dad, my dad got it. My dad was, was a victim of that. He thought he was going to have a nice time, but he, once he dug the garden and painted the house, he, he got, and been fishing a few times, he got depressed, you know. Uh-huh. It was a funny time, Definitely. I mean, I, I, I kind of detested them with a passion and, and could see what they were doing, but I wasn't too active, particularly. And uh, I, I, I sort of, like a lot of people, retreated into private life, you might say. You do your yoga, you meditate, you read. Because I, I studied Marx, Freud, you know, and all the rest of it. <laughs> Took advantage of the situation in some ways, but uh, it was a funny time. This is a bit different. I think this is much bigger. It's global. Mind you, the neoliberal movement was global. It, it pretty well took over the world. And then, and then it, de- it, it kind of defeated Russia. You know, the, the Soviet Union, the, 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 the communist bloc, collapsed. They were basically bankrupted or outcompeted by the Americans. You know, in the arms race, you know, how, how much they had to put their, uh, their, their country on an arms footing. And, of course... The more your country becomes a war machine, the more resources you're diverting away from the general wealth of the people. You know, this is all resources, just going into, like, having a war machine ready in case you have to have one. How much did all those nuclear weapons cost? So they went into a race over that, and America was more powerful by a long way. 
you know, because it started with a big, a big advantage. But so my next question to do with this topic of the comparison between times of the poll tax and now is: I was wondering, what, 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 what would this be like from the point of view of the Tories? I mean, surely I know they're a bit thick, this lot, but mm. they do remember what happened when mm. they really messed up and did something massively unpopular mm. with the poll tax mm. and how they did have to U-turn on it. I mean, not mm. that this government is any stranger to the uh, the 24-hour U-turn or anything, yeah. but still, um, they, they, they're still winding the screws and winding them tighter and tighter mm -hmm. and tighter and we've just had the, you know, the, the price of energy going up again. I mean, mm. everybody this time, everybody knows by now that the energy companies are making absolutely vast, never before heard of profits mm. while people are going to die this winter because they can't heat their houses because the, the screws have been tightened that much and are just constantly tightening more and more and more and more. Mm. The Tories must understand that there's a limit. Yeah. Or do they not? Well, I, I think this lot, they're not actually that old. They're not my age, you know. And Thatcher, I think, is more of a myth in, in, in their minds than, than a real, real profound living memory. There's a few. I mean, in fact, the people who were in Thatcher's government, who were in the Tory party, Johnson threw them all out. Like Ken Clark, who was, who was a Home Secretary, I think, and he was definitely a Chancellor under Mrs Thatcher, and a wet, what they called a Tory wet, so he's quite liberal-minded and very pro-Europe. Mrs Thatcher was a bit sort of... Uh, ambivalent about Europe and you know and Oliver Letwin who had been Mrs Thatcher's close advisor and then I don't know it's Nicholas Soames you know the the, the, the scion of the Churchill um, dynastic political family they, Johnson chucked them all out and I think they're of a younger generation they're your age they don't really remember it except in a mythic sense but I think they do know the ones that did their PPE at Oxford, NAF degree if ever there was one, from a shit university that's very pretty. Um, <laughs> sorry any Oxford graduates, but you know, you've been pulling a flanker with all this kind of status shit. They, they will re re realise that, that the mob can be a force to be reckoned with and that re mass refusable can be a force to reckon with. But that was a, like a one-dimensional refusal. It was the one pushback pretty well at the beginning of the neoliberal project. We are now 40 years into the neoliberal project. This is the fundamental difference. You know, and, and it was discredited in 2008 by the global crash, which was actually a direct consequence of the neoliberalism. And, uh, but you know, some of them are complete nutcases and a bit thick, like the, the ERG. They're good Machiavellians, but they're, but they're terrible thinkers about the economy, about life, about values, about what matters to people, and they're completely oblivious to how ordinary people live and, and what they value, ultimately. So th this is the difference in our position. They, they were at the beginning, we're at the end. And that poll tax thing, it was a very, very kind of s simple, single issue. And it mobilised people because it was so fucking horrible. And also, because it was fairly easy to push back against, even if you kind of didn't go to jail for not paying, 
you could fuck up you could fuck up your local council just by leaving it till the very till you got the red letter and then paying off of it or something you know what I mean just make them fucking work to get the money out of you either that or not pay it at all and uh, that was enough to bring it down now we've got we've got we've got more than that one disgruntlement here at the moment you know I mean, in the Thatcher, there were plenty of reasons to be disgruntled, but, but people weren't recognising them with quite the clarity that they do, they do now. Because what did you have? You had about six newspapers, you know. One, one, one Labour, which means, like, pink Tory. One Conservative blue Tory, or a couple broadsheets like the Times and the Guardian. You've got the Times versus the Guardian. Or Times-Telegraph versus Guardian, and I don't know, whatever, you know. And then Daily Mirror, Sun... Daily Express. Uh, two, three, I think it was three TV channels or two TV channels in the day. And the radio, no local radio. I don't think. I don't think that had quite come in yet. Or if it had, it was, it was very little. But what have we got now? Fucking YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Pretty well, every, everything ever printed at, at your fingertips with the internet. This, I mean, on the on that informational front massively different yeah. there's so many so many differences uh, the similarity being we're going to get the same kind of pushback but it, it will now operate on, on on many fronts i mean there were there were plenty of strikes in the thatcher era and, and thatcher was like was winning them but i suspect that our new wave of strikes i mean i see actually the the the, the current batch of union leaders strike me as being much more strategically acute than they were back back then, and that most of them are going to win, and they're not going to give up, and they're going to keep the powder dry and use their resources um, uh, intelligently. You know, but there's people disgruntled about queuing up at the NHS. In, at least in those days, if you went to A and E, you'd get seen within some 15 minutes, probably. You know, and if you called an ambulance, it'd be there within a couple of minutes if you lived in a conurbation. So people are experiencing all that. They can't get to the GP. That if they have an accident, they have an absolutely terrible time at the at the A and E. Brexit. All the divisions over Brexit. Families fighting over that, you know. And the whole thing just grumbling on, and 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 all the fucking chaos that that's caused. Thatcher didn't have a context like that to deal with. So they're gonna they're gonna be getting it from a good many fronts. In fact, they are getting it from a good many fronts. And the more fronts, the better. I, I kind of think that, yeah, you know, there's a lot of fronts and, and you might not agree with all of them, but, any, you know, my, 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 uh, my enemy's my enemy's enemy is my friend, you know. Like, uh, if somebody's going at them from over there and you think, well, that's a bit off-bike, but I'll okay, let it discomfort them. It's, it's, it's going to be a lot different. Uh, what is approaching? Of course, we're talking as though we, we, we've had the um, energy energy inflation riots. We took it for granted, but we haven't, of course, yet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but there will be, there'll be there's going to be, and there's certainly the great refusal. Now, with this, uh, the, what, how they're trying to spin it 
is uh, oh well it's, it's the war you know we all have to tighten our belts for the war effort but you know funnily enough the energy companies are making 10 million dollars a second they're not tightening their belts are they no. why is that i it's, wonder it's price gouging and, and well the, i know i know but know. They, they you know they're contradictory if you just think about it for but just yeah. one second you'll think yeah, yeah hold on this is just bollocks what they're talking about yeah. here and they, they actually think people are going to buy it of course yeah. a few people do buy it but it's it's uh, it's a very convenient war, actually. You know what capitalism does when it's in trouble? First of all, it sort of it it it, it uh, allows fascism. It gets into bed with like extreme uh, nutcases, you know, irrationalist, uh, warmongering, racist, hypernationalist bastards. They get into bed with them when they're in trouble, and then if it's still in trouble, they'll, they'll just have a war. There's nothing like a war for rescuing your capitalism because then you persuade everybody to rally around the flag instead of instead of fighting the oligarchs. That's what they do. They, they will actually actually will have a war just to hold on to their power to save the to save the day for their thing. They, they will. I mean, it's very easy to think. Oh, you know, they're just people like us. Well, possibly they are. You know, and perhaps we all have to recognise that we have some very negative capabilities, at least in potential. Maybe there's something to be said for that, but but, but basically, you, you never underestimate the, the viciousness of the oligarchs and their lackeys. No, but I think that's the, this, my prediction now is that what they're doing now, although they're what they're actually working towards is the Tory utopia, right? Where we're yeah. all just so poor and desperate, we'll just do anything, yeah, anything well, we're told, yeah just to live and survive yeah um and we've talked mm. about this in previous pod like podcasts quite a bit look mm. at the one about uh, charter cities mm. just uh, briefly if you haven't uh, uh listened to that one it's worth a listen actually the tories basically want to leave large areas of britain um I think they can be in a, say, a radius of 45 miles, like a whole city. Yeah. Uh, they want to give it to a corporation to run privately, a privately owned and run city yeah. where they make the rules and the laws and the punishments. If you don't follow those laws, they mm. set the wages, mm-hmm. they set the working conditions. Mm. So you're basically a slave. And yeah. if you get sick and you can't work anymore, you Elif. will be invited Elif. to leave. But, in my opinion, I don't think they're going to get to their Tory utopia mm. because we're going to be pushed way too far already bef- before they ever get us into mm. a position where they can use us as slaves. And when, Because mm. the pushback started even before they've got mm. there. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly their wet dream, but uh, um, I'd be surprised if they make it all the way. But they're, they're sort of going for it. They're going for broke, as we say, you know. They're doubling down and going for broke. I mean, the, another important to think, thing to remember that it's it's a faction of the Tory party that are pushing for this. There, there are others who are not so sure, you know, and or don't really know, or, or they're, they're a bit new to the game, because remember, they've got a lot of new MPs and stuff. We'll always vote for the most diabolical, awful and evil policies that or bills that, well, the, that the Tories <laughs> vote for, don't they? They do they tend, care that much. They do, they do tend to. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for, for massive pushback on as many fronts as possible. And I think I see the signs of that. Um, I hope I'm not wrong. I mean, you wander around Barmouth, you wouldn't think you'd think you were in paradise, you know, but there is, we know for sure there is shit going down out there, you know. 
But unlike the poll tax, where amazingly the Tories got voted back in after, did, yes. after that disaster, yeah. this time I, again, I, I'm predicting, probably just put a little bit of uh, just magic in the air here as I say this, this going to absolutely destroy them. They're going to be hated. Everyone, almost everyone is going to really actively hate them and they're going to be in the wilderness for a really long time. Yeah, except the die I suppose, but uh, yeah. So, find your way of pushing back, folks. And I think we have to love you and leave you there because we're just on the way down and we're almost back to town. And partly, unlike the, th the Thatcher time, then the, the poll tax, as you said, the time of the poll tax, there's so many things against them on all different fronts. I mean, even down to the fact that right now it's a wonderful, hot, sunny day and it's very hard to go abroad now because of Brexit, or at least to Europe. Um, and also, thanks to uh, COVID and Brexit and all the other problems, there's uh, loads of flight cance flights cancelled, so it's not a real fun experience to go abroad right now. So mm -hmm. oh, let's have a nice holiday at home. Or oh, desperate to go in the sea or that beautiful river because it's so hot. But guess what? It's full of sewage. Whose yeah. fault is that? Mm -hmm. Ah. So every time you turn around uh, with the possibility of having a bit of fun or something nice at last after these terrible <laughs> years that we've had, you can't do it yeah. because of the Tories. It's like literally everything that you, you try and look at, you you know, it's the global warming, oh, it's a really big problem. But guess who's dead against that? The Tories. Yeah. They deny us for a, a large part. And they are, of course, receive massive um, donations from big oil. You know, actually, as does Starmer, you know. But big oil really throws tons of money at the denial, the denialism and greenwash. Just like the tobacco companies did about cancer, you know, and smoking, and they knew about it and, and kept it quiet long before it got into popular consciousness and the doctors were starting to shout about it. Same scenario. Spend a lot of money on the denialism. Billions in the case of big oil. You know, the Pretty soon you're not even going to be able to drown your sorrows in the pub because yeah. A, you won't be able to afford yeah. to and B, they'll all be shut because of the Tories anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, 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 okay, it's, it's not just the American scenario, you know, because going about the Koch brothers, they were sort of based in America, but really their power is kind of global. You know, it's a big, a big oil company um, st started by their father uh, way back. Way back in the 20th century, I mean, he, he, he helped Stalin and the Nazis to build oil refineries because he was an, an you know, a chemical engineer, you know, knew how to build all that stuff. And that was the basis of the fortune. But also in Britain, there's an excellent book called uh, Crude Britannia, which a couple of investigators, journalists, good journalists, bit of an oxymoron, there are a few, these are good guys. Forget the names at the moment because I'm old and names don't stick. But it's the book, worth it, Crude Britannia. Same thing here, BP. Yeah. And uh, Dirty Tricks. I mean, B BP was, was fully involved in, in the coup in Iran in uh, 53, you know. <laughs> and uh, in conjunction with MI, MI6 and all the rest of it. Not, uh, not, not a pleasant story, and they do exactly the same shit. I mean, re really, I mean, pe people, from what I see on, on 
social media and I know that social media is not the world but it is like a kind of a pulse that you can read to some extent if you're careful and if you don't let yourself just disappear into a bubble or a silo you can kind of you can read the runes there to some degree and what, what, what's happening there you get plenty of people they want right, the radical solutions but they want a radical solution to the energy crisis or a radical solution to the decay of the, the, and the privatisation of the NHS or a radical solution to environmental degradation but, but still manage not to kind of quite connect the dots and make the leap to the absolute necessity for survival of the human race of root and branch transformation of, 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 the, of the global economic system and all the cultural um, accoutrements to it massive and uh, it's coming I think but slowly because it's a bit of a thing to grasp it certainly is anyway we're coming to the end of our walk now so you can hear our local train in the background tooting its merry horn bringing uh, another thousand or so people here it's a very very popular today we've just been looking down at the beach and it's, it's packed in fact I'm sure you could probably hear yeah. All the like all the, the voices from the beach on the recording. That's yeah. what if you hear lots of children sort of like screaming and mm. in excitement and various things. That's, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, thank you for coming on this yeah. lovely walk with us and uh, listening yeah. to our rantings about yeah. the state of the world. And we'll speak yeah. to you again soon. Have a good apocalypse. Lots of love.